We've all heard the phrase, that kind of thing doesn't happen in our town. But here on Midwest Murder, we will shatter that false reality. In fact, it happens more often than we know. And sometimes, the details of the most horrific crimes that happen in our neighborhoods are lost in the back pages of newspapers, forgotten on our news channels, and eventually erased over time. We're here to talk about murder, diving into some of the most controversial cases in Midwest history. This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully the justice that was ultimately delivered. Ooh, Dumbalumbo. Jonah Lanto. Hi. Getting some feedback there. There we go. Don Palumbo. That's uh, chills. Spine tingling today. Yeah. Well done. um, You guys are in for a history lesson and also a very tragic, tragic story. So, all right. Well, Well, thank you. Well, history is usually, this seems really tragic most of the time. I'm sorry. As long as we learn from it, right? Yeah. Right. Well, thank you all for being with us tonight. We are coming at you live from from Fargo, North Dakota at our one of our favorite breweries and partners, DCR Brewing. Check them out. Uh, We love them. We love you guys. Delicious beer. Yeah. I've been drinking the pickle beer. Great crowd. It's like flowing through my veins right now. It's delicious. Yeah. So um, thank you all. And uh, and thanks to them. Blood is pickled. (laughs) Oh. In not the drunk pickled way, but in the in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the in the in the pickled. I'm drinking pickled beer. Yes. So anyway, we are happy to be here. We are so dang excited. So thank you to everyone who has rated, rated and reviewed our podcast. The comments, the feedback, the support that we receive from you guys um, is is so fabulous, and we really really do appreciate it because it does amazing things for our little podcast. So Jonah. What are people saying about Midwest murder? It not only does amazing things for our little podcast, it does amazing things for my motivation. Some of these things are really, they do, they inspire me to do better. Even, even the bad ones, you yeah, know, even, I like the even, bad ones too. even the bad mm-hmm. ones make me sort of self-reflect on myself, on, on what I'm doing. So Opie Thomas said, real neat, five stars. I started flying again for work. I downloaded the Midwest murder podcast and listened to about eight episodes. All great. Keep it up. I love the live tapings. One wish. Find more people to interview for added context overall. But you guys, but but overall, you guys are nailing it. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. I like, I like yeah. that. Yep. Acceptable. Our math one two three four. <laughs> this guy's great. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, not a bad one, dare. That's what he wrote. It's not my terrible North Dakota accent. Okay. <laughs> Just it's not to be him. Clear. It's not him trying. Yeah. All right. Four stars. Congrats on having a podcast that doesn't just sound like two heads yammering back and forth with a bunch of forced laughter for effect. That would be that would be my my it's biggest fear ever. Yeah. If I were yammering back and forth and then forced laughter is the worst. I've never wanted to be a talking it's, head. No, so makes yeah. me. Thank, yeah. you. So and, thank you. And but but uh, final note in this one, the manscaping commercials, though. Meh. Well, hey, we need we need we need them and they're good. We do. Also, uh, you can... You can buy us a hot dish. You can? At buymeacoffee.com backslash Midwest Murder. With forward slash. Forward yeah. slash, yep. not back... See, I don't, I'm not techie. I don't no. even know what that means. Buymeacoffee.com forward mm-hmm. slash Midwest Murder. It helps us things. It helps us fund this podcast in little ways. It pays for our research. It pays for yeah. the court documents that we have to get. Sometimes when we get trapped in a, in a town on a journey for those court documents, maybe it pays for our hotel. So if you just think that, hey, Don and Jonah are doing an awesome job and I want to throw them five bucks and they can get themselves a beer or something, that's where you do it. Buymeacoffee.com slash Midwest Murder. 
We also oh, now, very exciting to announce, Don, we've got merch. Oh, yeah, we have merch. I was not like, physically oh, here with us. Panicking. We're not that cool. But <laughs> like, what, what did I forget? If um, you go yeah. to tpublic.com forward slash Midwest Murder, we've got all kinds of cool stuff there. You'll recognize some of the big sayings and phrases and fun things that we've done here on Midwest Murder. So if you want to support the show in that way, buy a T-shirt, buy a hoodie, sticker. My favorite, uh, my favorite shirt that we have right now is the, the only thing uh, open after midnight are legs in hospitals. So that's my favorite one. I can't I can't remember which uh, which episodes I've said that in, but well, uh, it's it's a good one, and it's it is uh, the truth. Absolutely fantastic. Well, actually, it's not the truth because bar- bars are open until like two. Yeah. But, well, know. here here they are in the Midwest. It, most of them close at two, but you go other places, it's free for all. It is. Yeah. So so yeah. Probably on the hospital and legs too. Probably. Yeah. So I this guess. show is also brought to you in part by our friends over at Manscaped. And listen, I know not everybody wants to talk about like the family jewels. So let's just talk about everything else Manscaped offers that is amazing beyond the fact that some folks need better. They need to curate their uh, area a little bit better, a little bit well, cleaner, a little bit more you, efficiently with you can, Manscaped. You can get the, uh, the ball deodorant, but if you're not talking about those things, you can. If you need the, ball deodorant, we're not judging. <laughs> Right, but okay. you can use the weed whacker for your ear hair and your nose hair. Yes, I the, wish I wish I had come up with the names for these things. It's very clever. The, actually, the big trimmer is the the lawnmower 4.0, lawnmower 4.0, and the, then the weed whacker. The weed it's whacker so gets your ear and nose hairs. Okay, it's really awesome. It's and you can save twenty percent on it with the promo code Midwest Murder at Manscaped.com. They have great boxers, deodorants, all kinds of amazing stuff. And listen, if you use this stuff. Everybody who has to be around your balls will thank you, including yourself, okay? So that's just why we talk about this. Four million people, men worldwide, trust Manscaped. So if you need a gift for that guy in your life, you go to manscaped.com. Cheers to clean balls. Use the code MidwestMurder, and you save 20% off with free shipping. We really do appreciate their support. So big thanks to them. Yes, big thanks. 20% off free shipping. Midwest Murder, Manscaped. I, it, it is. I have to pull up my other thing here. All right. So the year was 1976. It was the, what was, what was the big thing in 1976, Jonah? I have no idea. It's pre-Star Wars, so. <laughs> pre, pre your birth as well. Yeah. Um, so in 1976, it was the 200 year anniversary of, it was the bicentennial of, the United States. Oh, okay. That was the one I was going for. It was pretty easy. I kind of teed it up for I, you. I, you're not supposed to quiz me. <laughs> That's right. Well, it wasn't math. Um, the film Rocky was released in the U.S. Like the first one. Raise your hand if the first one is your favorite. No? Oh, nope. gosh. Wow. No okay. Tough crowd. Yep. Uh, I guess Rocky Four, maybe? Is that everyone's favorite? All right. I'm going to quit Dol- asking Dolph questions. Dolph Lundgren, whatever one that one was. Yeah. Like- yeah. Um, Jimmy Carter won the presidential election. NASA unveiled the first space shuttle, Enterprise. Nadia Comaneci won three gold medals at the Montreal Olympics with seven perfect scores, kind of a big undertaking. The first commercial Concorde flight took off during January of 76. And in big, big news, Apple Computer Company was formed by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. How about that? Welcome to 1976. Before I was born. All right. Great so, time for rock and roll, too. Like, it was. Just for a moment. Like, like, really good. Yeah. Really good time. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. 
Not that I was there. I like it now. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Should I quit explaining it? Yeah, I will. Okay. All right. That's so, my job to <laughs> explain to over, things. To mansplain things? I know. I, I don't. Know. I, uh, in, a, in, a, in a sidebar that he'll edit out later, but today, <laughs> today, he, I gave him a taste of his own medicine. He asked me a question and I explained it and then continued explaining it. Like, how does that feel? How does that feel? <laughs> he didn't like it. So we'll see if that continues on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. There will be a lot of history in tonight's episode, and in order to properly tell the story of anime aquash, it's important to have a histor- historical understanding. So, typically, typically, you know, we're told as as women, especially, to avoid going places alone, and for Native American women, it's even more even more so. You know, they're given the the, I guess. They're told to avoid going to parties, stopping in desolate areas. And if you're pulled over by police, make sure you're stopping in a public place that is well lit. So basically, basically it's difficult to trust anyone. And I imagine this was even more particularly true in this. In 1968. Right. Well, when this started, yes. But even though we're in 1976. In in 1968, the American Indian Movement, or AIM, officially began in Minneapolis, Minnesota. After more than 500 years of not having a name, it was finally organized by activists. George Mitchell, Dennis Banks, and Clyde Bellacourt. The leaders would then go on to be Dennis Banks and Russell Means. As described by the New York Times, quote, Means was full of bluster and indignation. Banks was soulful and charismatic. Before given that official name, the Native American culture was one that was weakening. There had been decades of discrimination, and those who had been victims of that were ready to fight back. And the AIM was viewed as radical and militant, because they were protesting the way their culture had been victims of prejudicial discrimination. And of course, at the time, it wasn't the only anti-establishment movement, because nearly everywhere you turned was pale and male. So Anime Piktu, later known as a later known as Anime Aquash, was a First Nation member born on the Indian Brook Reserve in Nova Scotia. And after her mother remarried, she spent most of her childhood on Nova Scotia's Nova Scotia's North Cumberland Strait with her family, including her two older sisters. When she was a teenager, her stepfather died of cancer, and her mother left the family. Shortly oh. after, Anna May left for Maine and was able to get work as a farm laborer. So she's a teenager, leaving, just kind of uh, growing up with adversity, right? So you're growing up quick. Mm-hmm. That's Your right. stepdad dies, your mom just bails, you're 16, I guess you get a job. Yeah, and you go you go where the work is. So, in search of employment, she joined a fellow Mi'kwa, Mi, excuse me, Mi'kmaq, Jake Maloney, and went to Boston. And in Boston, Anna May and Jake got married, and they'd go on to have two daughters, Denise and Deborah. At this point, and when her marriage to Jake was ending, Anna May was involved with the Boston Indian Council, which helped urban Indigenous people with addictions and an un- un- unemployment. Anna May was incredibly intelligent, and after attending Wheelock College in Boston, she was passionate about the work that she was doing in her community by promoting indigenous welfare and traditional culture, so she kept that going. By the early 1970s, Anna May, like many others, began to follow the AIM. Have you, have you heard of the AIM before? No, this is the fir- first time, the American Indian Movement, yes. this is the first time hearing of so those of you may may be somewhat familiar with with their movement and they were um part of their movement was the were the ones that took over or occupied in, in, in South Dakota? Nope, in well yes, we'll get there. Okay. But occupied Alcatraz. 
Oh. Right? So they got a really bad rap, and especially in this in this time frame. So in nineteen in in November nineteen seventy two. If I may, in this Please. time, any minority protest group seems to have gotten a bad name somewhere along the line. Absolutely. And so it, it's just it's interesting, and even in my first hearing here about AI about AIM, AIM it sounds like maybe they were branded similarly to other minority protest groups or counterculture or civil rights groups of the time. And one of which was, uh, this is a kind of a side story. One of which was black Panther movement. Of course, black Panther was, was founded in the same year in 1968. And interesting much of, and they actually based most of, uh, AIM based most of their structure, if you will, on, on black Panther. Panther. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting. So in November 1972, just before the presidential election, AIM began the Trail of Broken Treaties march to Washington, D.C. The plan was to take on the Bureau of Indian Affairs building and occupy that by continuing to protest. The movement brought along the Trail of Broken Treaties 20-point Indian Manifesto to place before U.S. President Richard Nixon. Arriving in D.C., the group stayed for a week in their attempt to bring national attention to indigenous rights. And even though it didn't accomplish what it set out to do, which was to address the U.S. government's failures of addressing the treaty's responsibilities to various Indian nations as well as policy reform, it did bring national awareness and a sense of pride and consciousness among indigenous people. Lakota author Mary Crowdog described the movement as, quote, the American Indian movement hit our reservation like a tornado, like a new wind blowing out of nowhere, a drum beat from far off getting louder and louder. I could feel this new thing, almost hear it. Smell it. Touch it. Meeting up with AIM for the first time loosened a sort of earthquake inside me. As the group traveled across the country, uh, pardon me, end quote. So as the group traveled across the country, the movement grew and the caravan stopped by reservations as well as urban Indian communities to gather, support, recruit, and educate. So they were gaining in popularity. So thinking about how Mary Crowdog kind of described the movement, you could see where it would gain traction, right? And it was likely that Anna May felt the same way because she joined the movement and the march to Washington, D.C. So she left, at this point, left Boston and to kind of explore what they were all about. So AIM members had accused a tribal president of corruption. The failed impeachment of that president paired with their movement, the murder of an, a, a Lakota man. AIM members occupied the Wounded Knee Village, in South Dakota was chosen because it was viewed as a historical symbol for U.S. indigenous people because it was, cho- it was, it was viewed as a historical symbol for U.S. indigenous people. It was a site of the massacre of 300 men, women, and children of the Sioux Nation by the 7th Calvary in 1890. At that time, as the burial party came to bury the dead, the U.S. Army awarded medals of honor, the highest and most prestigious commendation in the military, to 20 men for their role. So 300 men, women, and children lost their lives, and 20 men were, were given that, uh, that commendation. So you can understand why the, the location was so important and very, so very symbolic. symbolic yeah. right? So well, nearly a century after the massacre, approximately 200 AIM activists began their armed occupation of Wounded Knee. It would be a 10-week standoff between the, government, the U.S. government, including the National Guard and the FBI, along with the AIM occupiers. So big things, uh, big things happening, of course. And, and you can just feel how, how tumultuous 
the areas, you know, and especially in South Dakota, right? In the Midwest, we're very, we are very, very conservative typically. And so seeing that you can, you can just kind of see what's, what's about to happen. So, the so next the, year, just to be clear, like the yeah. wound, wounded knee, that's sort of like the Southern part of South Dakota. This is where all this is occurring just Correct. to give it a little yeah. bit of geographical context, context. not, you. not too far from really where, where we are right. positioned right. in North Dakota, but the Southern, the Southern end of South Dakota yeah. there. So the next year in 1973, Anna May trusted the care of her two daughters with her sister still in Boston and made the trek to Lakota Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. When Anna May left Boston, she wrote a letter to her sister and in there she said, quote, these white people think this country belongs to them. The whole country changed with a handful of raggedy ass pilgrims that came here, came over here in the 1500s. And it can take a handful of raggedy ass Indians to do the same. And I intend to be one of those raggedy ass Indians. End quote. Wow. That powerful, potent, passionate, painful words. Painful words. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a a group of people who have been discriminated against and, and all that. And, and while her words sound hateful, I think they also spark change or the hope to change. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's her heart's in the right place. So it was during this occupation of wounded knee that Anna May arrived at Pine Ridge. And at that time, she would end up marrying her boyfriend that she arrived with from Boston in a Sioux ceremony. Anna May Piktu would now be known as Anna May Aquash. Anna May refused to be a part of the male-dominated hier- hierarchical, I can't even say that word, the hierarchy and the social order within the AIM and stood up against it. When she arrived, she was told by leader Dennis Banks to help the other women with kitchen duty because that's what was expected of her, of newbies, and of all women. She replied, quote, Mr. Banks, I didn't come here to wash dishes. I came here to fight, end quote. While Anna May wasn't afraid to speak up to others, that also made her a troublemaker. Of course it did. Yeah, because if you're not conforming. You're a woman, you're a woman speaking out, especially a minority woman speaking out, and that makes you a troublemaker. You're, you're rocking the boat. Well, so you're not you conforming. See time again. Right? You yeah. see this time and yeah. again. It's gaslighting. Yeah, and I mean, definitely can be in a way, yeah. So the occupation of Wounded Knee was incredibly contentious and incredibly controversial and wasn't over in just a couple of days. The protests lasted several years and became incredibly violent, killing two FBI agents. Now, of course, the standoff itself was just 71 days, if I recall. Um, but the deaths of the two FBI agents really ratcheted up a little bit. So activist Leonard Peltier was ultimately convicted of those murders. And that in and of itself was very controversial, prompting numerous books, documentaries, and a movie. And of course, we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about that protest at Pine Ridge. But it would it would take the rest of the evening because, uh, you know, and it, and it should be a completely separate podcast. So, you know, for education purposes, and it likely already is. So Anna May left Pine Ridge prior to the ending of the occupation, but had definitely made a splash and continued to work with AIM on projects, but also became a very strong figure within the organization because she in for multiple reasons. But the biggest one was because she didn't conform. She fought against things. She pushed back. Right. The, when the fight stopped, quote unquote, she didn't really stop. She didn't fighting. stop. She worked to still it move didn't. forward, move the movement forward for what they originally stood for. And, and at that time, you know, what where it was so controversial. Well, they're still fighting for it. So it, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Also at the time, she had become involved in a romantic relationship with Dennis Banks. Again, one of the leaders of AIM. The same this one. This is the guy that told her to do kitchen yes. duty? Yep. Oh boy. You can see where that would be. Yeah. See where that would attract someone. Yeah. Tell me to go get in the kitchen. Get in the kitchen. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to. Probably. If I. I probably, probably not going to work for me. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not the no. pickup line that's working no. for Don Palumbo. No. It, but, might work, it might work for me. It might work <laughs> on me. But all that aside, though, you can also see where her her way of fighting back, her way of talking back and his power and his his charisma. Right. I mean, even though he did tell her to go to the kitchen. Sure. If you're the leader of this kind of movement, you are undoubtedly charismatic. Uh, It's hard to to get to that position if you don't have some level of charisma, some level of leadership. Even if you're kind of a dick and telling girls to get in the the, the kitchen and whatever, you you still – this guy's a leader within that organization. And it's a pretty big movement that a lot of people have put their own efforts behind. You're charismatic. You have to be effective. It's just, it's how it works. And effective doesn't necessarily mean a good thing either. I mean, that can go either way. Look at, you know, previous uh, leaders in history, you know, but it's. So this, to be clear, obviously Dennis Banks, not the dude she showed up with from Boston and had the ceremony with. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yep. Yep. So at the time um, also, so even though her relationship had ended with, with that fella, he was also in a common law marriage with another woman. We should pay attention to her. So by 1975, the AIM organization, as it had been, was beginning to fall apart. You know, their their in, uh, original intentions, those types of things, it was splintering, as someone described, which is, I think, a, a great way. I mean, it was it was breaking. And Dennis Banks was now a fugitive, largely in part because of the controversial standoff at Wounded Knee. And at one count, there were more than 400 arrests and 275 indictments. Oh, Wow. And, of course, you know, two federal agents died. So yeah. that means there's more pressure. You know, it's, it's it just means how more that pressure. works. It means it, it, whatever they do in response to mm-hmm. the people there is going to be the stiffest that it possibly can be. Right. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. You know, 400 arrests, 275 uh, for indictments. Uh, you know, and I mean, he's he's a, a fugitive on. on uh, She's right in the middle of it, absolutely. hanging out with fugitives, people getting arrested, and they may it or may not. Intense. They they may or may not have deserved. You know, some right. may or may not have deserved what you know what the indictments were and all that stuff. So definitely not taking a, a stand there. But you know, Banks, and at that point, Banks was looking at a sentence of 15 years for unrelated charges, and so this was um, rioting. And, you know, for, for things completely unrelated, but a different incident. And he was starting to get worried and said that he, hear, he feared for his life. Interestingly enough, the lovely candidate for South Dakota Attorney General at the time was quoted as saying, quote, the only way to deal with the Indian problem in South Dakota is to put a gun to AIM leaders' heads and pull the trigger, end quote. Whoa, he'd get canceled now for doing that. Rightfully a, so. You're, you're canceled. <laughs> No, but uh, he was not canceled. Uh, in yeah, fact, many, in many people, was, many people supported him because William Janklow would go on to be the governor of South Dakota. Let me, let me guess. They gave him a they gave him a shiny new badge for uh, his efforts. Yeah. They gave him a badge and yep. then they, they voted him, him governor. as governor. Yeah. Gubernatorial. That's sure. my favorite, my favorite word. So the guy. That was just how the 70s were far from OK, far from OK. It's not great. No, but to paint. And the reason why I included that is to paint the picture of what people were dealing with, what people were, you know, 
if you were not a white male, you were faced with all sorts of prejudicial um, anything. I mean, racism, uh, discrimination, all of that. And, and this was the time that people were facing it across the board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, minorities, yeah. women. This is the, the 70s were the women's rights movements, a lot of them. It was the first major sexual harassment lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It, like, it was just... It a was, lot. People it was were until, sick of the bullshit. It wasn't until like what, 1971 so, where, you know, if you went, if you were pregnant, you, you know, you're, you could be fired. Right. So, I mean, we're, we're talking within, you know, close to my lifetime, certainly, you know, dude, my, my in, mom got fired for being pregnant when I was growing up. I'm not right, sure like so, that happened in my lifetime. I watched that happen to my mom. So the adversity that people were facing, that's, and that's just, that's just females. If you, if you bring into, you know, females of color, uh, it's a completely. Like, like Anna Marie, yeah, or yeah, Anna May. Anna May. It's a, it's a completely, completely different, uh, different level. So, uh, so William Janklow, former governor of South Dakota, seems like a cool guy. I'd like to sit down with him. That sounds like fun. So at this point, Anna May's affair with Banks had ended. He decided that he was going to stay with his common law wife. Darlene Kamuk Nichols. And so that was the same one that he was involved with when he was involved with, with uh, sure. Anna May. So Anna May and Darlene, they were friends, oh. but also rivals, which you shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Is there a word for that? They were frenemies? Frenemies. Yeah. That's, they were frenemies, so. right? Yeah. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I would think so. You know, you, you keep your friends closer and enemies close, right? Keep your friends close and enemies closer, something like that. So. You can imagine, you can imagine what was happening, you know, while they were there during this, during this protest, during this, and in this movement, you know, you have somebody who is married to, to Banks, the leader, and then you have somebody having an affair with him. His girlfriend. And who is certainly not the only one, right? I mean. The FBI closing in on you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's panicking. There's protests, mass arrests, there's violence, there's fighting, there's infighting. Definitely infighting. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So following a shootout, the two men, the two women were jailed together. So during this. I'm sorry, following a shootout? Yep. That that happened. That's kind of just breeze on by following a shootout. Well, I'm, I'm getting there. They're hanging out in jail. Okay. I'm getting there. I mean, they end up in jail. They didn't do anything wrong at that point. It's in fighting, it was they they had had a couple shootouts at this point. Dennis Banks and Leonard Peltier. So I mentioned him earlier. Right. So in Hollywood, uh, Marlon Brando was a major major supporter of the American Indian movement. So AIM. Okay. So he gave a motor home and ten thousand dollars cash to Dennis Banks. And that is how they hid. So wow. Dennis Banks, Leonard Peltier. Marlon Brando funded their Stella. hiding yeah. effort? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, he, he supported the what movement. What a tidbit he, of info, well, no doubt. Well, he supported the movement sure. and, and really shouldn't equal rights. I mean, shouldn't be a political thing. It should just how it should be, right? And so he, he supported them much to... You know, and I, I'm, I'm keeping that very basic. So I'm not going to get into the details of, you know, of how scandalous that was or anything like that i'm keeping it very basic so the shootout happened in this motorhome so the two women were caught and jailed leonard peltier was shot in the back but ran into the woods and was later caught so that is when he was convicted dennis banks was still on the run so as 
as they're shooting, he's beaten feet. He weaseled his way out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. So during that time of, uh, of Anna Mae and Darlene being jailed together and realizing, and it was shortly before this, this shootout happened that Darlene realized that Anna Mae and Dennis Banks had a relationship. So, oh, so she didn't know yet. She didn't know until Whoa. you know closely or shortly Post before shootout. this. No, pre-shootout, just okay. just before the shootout. Yeah. So what a was, day! <laughs> what a day! Hey, what a day! So you're sleeping with my husband, and then you're getting shot at, and then you get shot at, Oof. and then and then you're jailed together, right? But it was it was during that time that Darlene realized how terrified Anime was to be released from jail. So clearly, she's feeling the pressure too. She's feeling something. Something is going on. Well, and she was obviously in fear for her life. There was suspicion that she knew more about the Leonard Leonard Peltier violence on Pine Ridge that left the two FBI agents dead. So So there is concern that maybe she spilled more, and that's why she was so fearful. Do do we know who she thinks is coming for her? Is she afraid of her life because she was witness to something corrupt that the government did? Or is she afraid and fearing for her life because someone within the organization? Do we Someone within the organization. Wow. But okay. also not being able to, at this point, trust the government officials. You know, if you're in an anti-government establishment, it's, it's, it's going to be hard, right? Who do you turn to for help? There's danger on all sides. Absolutely. Who do you turn to for help? So that same year, According to evidence submitted later, three enforcers with AIM were told to kidnap Anna Mae from a house in Denver and bring her back to Wounded Knee. So this is all coming out. So according to the same evidence submitted, she was raped, interrogated, and then on a morning in December at sunrise, she was brought to a lookout on the Pine Ridge Reservation, walked to the edge of the cliff, and then shot in the head. So a few months later, on February 24th, 1976, a rancher was installing a fence on his land along the edge of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, and he spotted a body at the end or at the bottom of a 30-foot embankment. What he saw was a badly decomposed corpse wearing jeans and a maroon ski jacket. The person was laying with their knees pushed toward their chest, almost in the fetal position. A coroner would later determine that the woman had been killed or died more than two months ago, so more than two months prior to this. Her hair on the back of her head was matted with blood. And they would see that a single bullet wound was at the base of her skull. And that bullet wound came from close range. It took more than a week to identify the body. And then the body had already been, it had been buried unidentified. Thankfully, though, they did take fingerprints and those were sent to the crime lab. The body belonged to 30-year-old Anime Aquash. So no one in the area was surprised that a body had turned up because at the time, Pine Ridge had the highest murder rate in the nation. It was, it was huge. It was, I mean, there was infighting. There was, you know, there were squabbles happening everywhere. And, you know, between... It's a hotbed for violence and activity and hostility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Opposing viewpoints are clashing and converging Mm -hmm. and clearly members of of AIM don't have... Because, well, and like I said earlier, it was, the organization was splintering. They were, they were breaking apart. They were breaking down. So, unfortunately, at that point, her case would go cold and for a very long time. Members of AIM that may have known something, anything, refused to work with investigators. 
They blamed the government and said it was their fault. They even said the FBI had killed Anna May and covered it up. You know, that was kind of my first thought. I like that my first suspicion when she felt like her life was in danger, if something like this happens, it's so easy. We know it's happened before that I wasn't, I'm not convinced about either side who killed her. Like it, it at this point. Well, according to a New York Times interview with Anna May's friend, Margot Thunderbird, she said, quote, the movement was the defining experience in our lives. But the only thing my daughter learned about Annie Mae in an Indian school was not the principles she fought for, but how she was killed by AIM. Once I prayed at Sundance, quote, show me who did this to her. Anna Mae came to me in a dream and said, leave me alone, Margot, end quote. So even at that point, you know, in, in her belief, um, Anna Mae didn't want want her to be found or didn't want that truth to be found God, that's, you know, super, could it, that's super sad well that, that's my that's my biggest question is almost not not even who killed her but why but what, why? what did she know what did she see why did she have to be killed someone felt like she had to die so what had actually happened though on in pine ridge when anna may made bail and left the federal courthouse in pier on november 24th 1975 she was desperate to see banks and she thought he was in Denver. So she left for Denver, didn't show up for court the next day, and she ended up staying at an AIM safe house owned by Troy Lynn Yellowwood, who was a sister in arms. According Troy, to- Troy Lynn is a girl? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And she had this safe house. This was, it was, anime was not the only one to ever be there, you know, and it could be a safe house from anything at that point. And according to Troy Lynn, anime stayed there for weeks, but banks never showed. Then one night in early December, after three cars pulled up outside the safe house, Anna May left with three people and was never heard from again. Between 1976 and 1999, there were four grand juries that happened. But how many arrests do you think happened? I, none. None. I'm none. guessing nobody. It's so much time has passed. So much time had. And people were still not talking. Because why? Right? What do they have to gain for it? So by the 19... Yeah, what did they have to gain for that? What did they have to gain from her death? Well, she knew more. That is why. And so by the 1990s, some of the older AIM members started to share what they actually knew. And Darlene, Dennis Banks' wife, would play a huge role in that. At one point, I mean, she she was reaching out to all sorts of members. And at one point, she spoke with Arlo Looking Cloud, who used to be an enforcer with the group. And after a three-hour recorded conversation, Looking Cloud finally confessed to authorities in playing a role in her abduction and murder. He also said an indigenous man from Canada, John Graham, also played a role. And Looking Cloud said that Graham was the one who pulled the trigger. And you would think that that would wrap it up nicely, right? You've, you've got right. What I'm hearing is that on tape, this man admitted to being involved in the murder and also said this is who did it with me so that sounds very arrestable that sounds absolutely i have seen cases get prosecuted on less Mm -hmm. well the case was not even close to solve so that's nice what yeah so looking cloud testified shedding more light on what actually happened that day he said as they marched anna may into the grassland off south dakota highway 73 and as he put a pistol to her head quote it was getting kind of blue out. She started praying. It was so quick. End quote. No one believed that Looking Cloud and Graham were, worked, were working alone, though. 
They didn't think that nobody thought that this was their master plan. These guys they are were enforcers. Right. They're they're stooges. They're the hired help. They're they're yes. not masterminds of anything. No. Is what and, I'm okay. And as as Anime's daughter said, she likened this more to the mafia than to anything in any organization that was doing any good. That's how I mean that's how it you, if you've got enforcers, right? It's you're, I think, you're, I think we all know what they do. You're doing bad shit. Right. Like you you don't, there's no. And not necessarily the organization, but at this point it had become sour. It had become against what they were originally standing for. Right. Well, who knows? I mean, who knows what they were involved with? It could have been some sort of tracking, trafficking. I mean, there was clearly potentially a lot of criminal activity happening within the group that created the strife and. Well, as far as the infighting goes, but right. if you're if you're an anti-government establishment and fighting against the government, isn't everything you do against the law then at that point? Yeah, kind of. So it's yeah. it's it's tough to, you know, the the laws according to whom. That's the that's the tough part. So again, like I said, nobody believed that Looking Cloud and Graham were working alone. Someone up high had to have made that call. Luckily, both men were tried separately. Looking Cloud was convicted in 2004 and Graham was convicted in 2010. Wow, so, so they actually did get a conviction. So there's a little bit of justice I there. I seriously right? wasn't expecting them to get... Right. But who was the third abductor? Who was the third person? I, I If I had to guess, I feel like... I, it's hard for me not to think that Banks wasn't involved somehow. So if I, if I had to venture a guess, Banks, maybe even maybe even his girlfriend, but maybe not because she was the one leading the movement to find it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it... Well, the third abductor was a 50-year-old woman at the time. And she was a, she was an aunt to children, but she was not anybody's favorite aunt. Okay. Let's say that. And that was Theta Nelson, Nelson Clark. She was the Clark. mean, the mean one. She was the mean one. Uh, yep. So at 50 years old, she's, she's a part of this, um, uh, you know, a part of the movement and she's also working with these enforcers. So words or were, I guess thoughts are is that she was the third one and there were, uh, eyewitness account saying that she was the one that handed Graham the gun. Sadly, though, she was never charged. But still, even still, there were more players. There were other players. And even with the offer of immunity, people would not come forward or cooperate. So the, the FBI offered immunity to anyone to come forward and share their part of this story. Yeah. And, there and were, even I if mean, they were involved to some degree, if they could just help. Yeah. They and, would have immunity. Wow. And and in my in my research, I mean there were countless names, countless names that of, of people that may have had uh that may have had a a, a role or or whatever. I mean too many to name for but, sure. Damn it, what did she know? What why did she have to be killed? There's so many people involved with this with with this whole movement, but for some reason she was the one that they wanted to kill. Was she was she going to be a narc? Was that was she going to be a narc for the the FBI, like that, that's the one thing that's unsettling about this. So, okay, Theta Nelson Clark and these two guys decided they were going to kill her. A bunch of people knew about it. It's super tragic. But what did she know? Why did they want to kill her? Well, again, it all comes back to Leonard Peltier because she knew more because during their time together on the lamb, right, in this motorhome, she was, uh, Leonard Peltier told them, told her and Darlene how it actually went down and how, you know, so that is where this, that's where this comes from, which is just horribly sad. 
My guess is she didn't ask for that information. She didn't ask for it, you know? And so here she is being held responsible, being, you know, and, and being killed for that. So it just horribly, horribly sad. Um, as far as, as far as that goes. And still, there were still more people that were being asked and, and interrogated coming forward for all of these things. And, and still nobody, nothing happening, right? Nobody willing to talk, nobody willing to tell anybody. And so in 2011, a giant break came. Ray Robinson was a black civil rights volunteer who disappeared in April, 1973. So now we're going back even prior to uh, anime being murdered. Yeah. Cause that was 76, mm-hmm. right. Or 75, yeah. 76. excuse me. Well, yeah. 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 So his wife, 76 when she was discovered, when she was discovered. Yeah. So his wife, Cheryl Buswell filed a missing persons report, but nothing ever came of it. He was missing from Pine Ridge reservation. He was a volunteer. He Jeez, was there to help people went missing or got killed at Pine Ridge. Holy smoke. Countless. Yeah. And so everything would point back to Dennis Banks. I knew it. Okay. So? Well, that is, that's the thing. The sad part, nothing ever came of it. They didn't have enough. They did not have enough. And this is, you know, this is going through um, Russell Means, his former, you know, co-leader, right? Everything, nothing ever came of it. Uh, Again, countless, countless names. And so one of the investigators came across Robinson's name when, uh, when he was looking at transcripts of, of an interview that, um, that Darlene Nichols had, uh, had done with banks in, in 2001. And so all the way in 2001, it, it is just that. And, and, and it, it's just, it's, in, it's infuriating. It's infuriating, but thankfully at least they had answers, but nothing was nothing ever came about as far as what happened to Robinson, other than the fact that he was shot by another AIM officer. Nobody found his body. Nothing ever came of it. Wow. So he just really disappeared, gone. He was, quote, according to one of the informants, he was buried over by the creek. And so Dennis Banks, I would love to tell you that he is not around. But he or is, that they got him, or for that they got him, or something. Clearly, being yeah. somehow linked to some of this, this shit. Yep, and uh, no, 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 because even though even though they brought people up on charges or or even interrogated people, charges weren't filed. Filed people were not held accountable, and so really, they just have the two people. They have the enforcers, who seem to be fall guys for whomever ordered. The hit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They, they have hardly no evidence. They have a couple of fall guys that were caught on on yep. tape who aren't admitting to anything more. And you're not getting your way to leadership through that. Yeah. And the sad part is, is that anime's story is not the only one. It's, it's not the only one. So Dennis Banks today lives at the end of a long reservation road near Leech Lake, Minnesota, and which is near his childhood home. And he is at this time of, of so he's 84 now. Um, he was just living his life. And, you know, in, in the, the article that I found, it, it explained it very well how he was just living his life as, as he did 
when he was a child, right? And so when asked what happened to her, if he knew what happened to her, he, he said, quote, I only know what I read about in the paper. Yeah. yeah of course. Smart answer, you know? I guess. Right. And so even he felt he felt betrayed by what Darlene had done. Right. But thankfully, I guess his reach was not far so he, anymore. He, so he, she was still she's still with us. He was mad that his ex-wife was trying to find out the mm-hmm. truth about the woman he probably killed. Yep. Yep. You betrayed me. And when Banks was asked about the Ray Robinson disappearance, he didn't say anything. He looked out over his land and that was it. And he just said, there's a lot of misinformation. And he, when, when asked, when asked about anime, he said, however, these people got up to putting the bullet in anime. I already know all I need to. The government set the stage for anybody in the movement to think that anime was a fed when the judge let her out of jail for the last time in pier. There are no secrets and questions left. If there's a burning house, no one gives an order to put out the fire. Someone just goes and does it. It was people who fell into an idea. Wow. Well, that may, that's, that's a chilling statement because that was, again, that was my feeling. Even if she wasn't going to be a narc, if that wasn't really the thing, the feds let you out after these big charges. Everybody else is getting nailed to the wall, has to stay in, has to stay in jail getting the book thrown at them and suddenly you get let out. If you're working in a mafia like organization, if you can't explain that shit very well. You're dead. Like yeah. that's that. And that actually makes a fair amount of sense whether or not he gave the order. It's hard to say, but I mean, clearly people thought, she, people thought she was going to be a narc. That's what it was. That's that there was paranoia within this organization and so many people were going to jail and everybody thought, well, she might, she might rat on us. We better kill her. Yeah. We have to get rid of her. Wow. The nice part, I guess, I don't know how to say that in 2004, anime's remains were exhumed by her family and brought home to Nova Scotia. So she finally had a name. She finally had a place. Today's resources where uh, timeline was people history and then also all of the historical stuff and everything about this was Minnesota Historical Society, AIMmovement.org, New York Times article by Eric Konigsberg, Canadian Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, and National Geographic. So again, check out our merch store. You can find the link on any of our social media at uh, or at tpublic.com slash Midwest Murder. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on whichever platform you find Midwest Murder on. A big thanks to everyone who has, and of course, all of you out there. Midwest Murder is hosted by Joan Lanto and Don Palumbo and produced by the Good Talk Network. This episode and was written by myself, and uh, we appreciate your support. Yeah. Also, uh, again, 20% off Midwest Murder. Oh, yeah. Use the code MidwestMurder at Manscaped.com. Free shipping, 20% off. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Fargo. Thanks, guys. Yeah.